mean no one comes into our house and pushes us around. You believe that America is the land of opportunity? Yeah. We're soldiers, but we're American soldiers. We've been kicking ass for 200 years. And those of you who are familiar with it know that in America, democracy is hypocrisy. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. You're listening to the Abolitionists Roundtable with your hosts, Phil Stargell and Bruce Flurry. They're leading the charge in advancing the conservative revolution. Join the conversation at 734-822-1600. And now, your all-American hosts, Phil Stargell and Bruce Flurry. And good morning. This is Phil Stargell and this is the Abolitionist Roundtable. And we are on the air this morning with a uh, a return to the old uh, abolitionist roundtable. It's me uh, and Bruce is on assignment and uh, Ron Edwards, who sometimes fills in for Bruce, um, is uh, on assignment of another type. So it's me and you. And I've got some things and I'll make a proposal to you. But uh, uh, of an idea that I wondered uh, if the listening audience out there would be interested in joining me in that uh, in that endeavor. Uh, the way things are going today, after the election of twenty twenty, we uh, we seem to be in a real pickle here. Uh, we have a uh, Democrat Party and a Democrat President, Senate, and the House of Representatives. And a who knows what Supreme Court, and so now instead of uh, the emphasis being on constitutional law, we've we've fallen into uh, an era when everything is of the civil law nature, of the civil rights law, civil law. In other words. Law made by lawmakers. That's a to me. That's a dangerous, dangerous proposition. When you have a, a a bunch of lawmakers in the Democrat Party that are power hungry, the Democrat Party has always been power mad, and now they've got a chance to exercise it. And uh, it 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 uh, a lot of people make the mistake of. Looking at Nancy Pelosi, looking at uh, President Trump, I mean, President Biden, as harmless and want to get along and all that, these people are cold-blooded socialist communists, in my estimation. And, And why I say that, compared to what our government was made out to be, anytime you're talking about figuring out how to make power last for 200 years. You got a problem. And that's exactly what the civil rights law that was passed in 1964 was a product of a power mad president, Lyndon Johnson, who everybody looked at as being a country bobkin. This guy was a highly intelligent guy. And he knew how to read people and he knew how to make assignments to keep them in what the term back then in in their place 
And he was definitely of that era and of that mindset. And all you have to do is look at the record of the things he said and where he said them, because the things that he said was, in my estimation, it had to be heard by the people that he was signing the bill for. And I know everybody has heard the, uh, not everybody, but a lot of you have heard what he said. He said, we'll have these N-words voting Democrats for the next 200 years. That's the thinking behind the civil rights law. Civil rights law uh, has uh, made people believe that civil rights is looking out for the minority or the special interest group that they are pandering to. It's not that, it's not that at all. And some of the people in the Democrat Party in the 60s and the 70s, when I grew come to come of age, I mean, when I got to be an adult, remember a term called the white man's ice is colder than the black man's. And I don't know if I haven't heard the, that saying in quite a few years, but it 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 uh, after the civil rights law, there was a lot of businesses that closed up and went. Uh, under because putting fast food restaurants in the neighborhoods, putting all kinds of very, very efficient enterprises that were done by black businesses in the black neighborhoods, had you know the black businesses had to close down because the uh, franchises and things like that were much more efficient and. Uh, so uh, the patronage in their in their restaurants, in their even barbershops and things like that <laughs> went, went went by the wayside, and that term came up, and, and I haven't heard it in a number of years, because I guess uh, you know people just figured out, well, you know, not much you're going to be able to do about it. I mean, we have the right to go wherever we want. You know, so uh, so it was the 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 ice being colder, and you know that got the good. So, and and so we we ended up with um, uh, immigrants coming into the country, uh, taking advantage of the the opportunity to open up franchises, open up businesses, stuff like that, and immigrant. Organiz uh, organizations were able to 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 have year after year the immigrants, different immigrants, were leading the country in new startup businesses, and uh, and the black businesses that had already been started up and gone under, they were just out of luck. And uh, so you know we um, the jobs that were created, a lot of people just said it was a lot easier to just go into uh, General Motors or something like that. And uh, that's why uh, some of the urban renewal didn't work out, you know, and all of that. But anyway, that's that's one of the things of civil rights law not doing exactly what it was designed to do. So that leads me to my first question. And I, 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 I uh, would like for the audience to if they have some questions about civil rights law, to ask them, call in and ask them. Because right now you notice that there is a, a, a premium on civil rights law 
and not constitutional law. You seen on this uh, Chauvin case up in Minnesota, the uh, the government came in and said, "Oh, we were just waiting on the jury's de decision. If he hadn't uh, been uh, found guilty, we were going to come in with a violation of constitutional rights and civil rights." And it's a confusing thing that they were talking about because actually if they didn't if they didn't say anything before they shouldn't have said anything after because uh you know unless they were just going to file file the charges them and uh to to me uh this is it all is and always has been double jeopardy and this stays stays uh in the constitution that uh uh Double jeopardy is is not uh, allowed if the jury makes that decision, and and uh, you might not like it, but that's the law. That's why this country has always been known as country of of laws, not of men. And uh, that's that. Uh, I think that that quote was attributed to uh, one of the first first two presidents, uh, John Adams, I think, uh, one of the two, and. Uh, and it's uh, it's uh, it's one of the reasons why so many people found America to be, uh, as Tocqueville said, uh, a, a a great country because she's good. I mean, if uh, if you live by the law, you live by the law, and uh, we've seen to be breaking the laws and everything else, and and throwing people to the wind, and nobody really cares because it's it's satisfying the mob. Uh, the mob wants justice uh, immediately. J you know, justice denied is justice lost. You know, is is another saying that. But the thing about it is, the the uh, the uh, the whole idea of, of civil rights was uh, focused supposedly on a, a, a ten year period, and. If you're going to have a law that is, that it has to be renewed every so often, there's only one reason for that: is if some of the things aren't working, then you should be able to take those out and adjust it and put put some better laws in. But nobody uh, wants anybody to touch the, the the laws as they are. So what you get is civil rights laws uh, um, over ruling constitutional law and it happens time and time and time again one of the most blatant types of of, of it is um when when you take uh something like uh it has happened with uh, with double jeopardy laws, and you go 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 back and and you you uh, you just contradict what you, what you're saying. Then then you you get uh, some people that are that are dissatisfied with that, but uh, but there seems to me to be an awful lot of uh, civil rights law overturning. I mean, not overturning, but uh, uh, 
overruling the Constitution. And and the, the biggest one is, and this is why uh, for the number of years, the 10 years that we've been on the air and, and, and before, it's always been that we felt that uh, the unborn weren't getting a, getting a fair shot. And if you look at it, the the uh, the reason why during the hearings on uh, on the on the last Supreme Court uh, appointee, Amy, Amy Barrett, Amy, uh, I think that's her name, Amy, Amy Barrett, uh, when they were doing the hearings, there was a lot of Democrats that kept asking, "Was uh, uh, abortion?" Uh, guaranteed by the uh, the Constitution, guarantee a right to abortion, and she didn't give us a straight yes or no answer. But obviously, to me, um, the Supreme Court made an error when they gave the reason for making um, a ruling that said a, a, a woman had a right to uh, make a choice in the matter. I think that that violated the Constitution in the fact that they violate the constitutional rights of the unborn. That gave them license to do that. And so I think that we have to really take a look at these these civil rights laws and decide whether or not we want to continue to uh, lead the world in, uh, in, in as, as black Americans, we are, we are way out in front of uh, anybody in this country in the terms of aborting children. Uh, I've read somewhere where a black woman is, uh, three to five times more susceptible to um, aborting a child than a white female con counterpart. And nobody seems to think anything is racist about that, yet and still um, there are a very small number in comparison of people being killed by a black young people being killed by policemen, and yet and still we t shut down the whole country when when these things happen and and i think that if nothing else we ought to at least make an acknowledgement that 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 infant in the womb has just as much right as anybody else to be here and somebody if not the mother then the government ought to take that role and protect that child and and that's why we uh dedicate this show and always have to trying to figure out a way to get more people educated because that's the only way it's going to happen. People have got to reject it. And we see the numbers getting worse every year, not better. There's just been a, a, uh, an announcement that the fertility rate just went, took another nosedive and went down again. And that's not going to get any better. And I, I think that uh, that I want to be on record 
today as saying that from now on, uh, we are, as black people, the victims of genocide. And we ought to start making sure that uh, when we talk about this dastardly act of boarding babies on demand, that we understand that that's contributing to the genocide of the black race because we are in the area of, of no return. We're down below replacement levels. And uh, that means that we are on our way to extinction. And people don't believe that, but that's, that's the natural progression of unfettered abortion on demand on a, on a particular group that's been targeted as the underclass all the time that we've been here. Democrats run around and tell you that we are living in a racist uh, society. It's systemic. The racism is systemic. And the police department is the vehicle to, uh, to keep uh, the black uh, race under control when uh, maybe uh, at the most uh, 50 black people in a year are killed by the police. <laughs> so, uh, and I mean, the, I, the numbers of uh, the abortions are just off the, off the, 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 the radar screen and, and, and uh, as compared to other people and compared to the numbers of our particular people right now. And I'll give you one example. In 1986, when Ronald Reagan granted amnesty, to the Hispanics, there were 12 million Hispanic Americans in the country. There were 10 million that were known to be here, uh, considered legal, and 2 million that were illegal. And, 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 and that's those numbers, um, a little vary because I'm using, um, uh, the 80 census, and we're talking 86, but but because when uh, when the actual numbers went down, it was agreed upon by everybody that instead of 2 million getting amnesty, it was 3 million. But roughly the numbers were uh, about uh, about 12 million Hispanics in the country, illegal, legal and illegal, 12 to 13 million. It was 32 million black Americans in this country. In the last census, the 2020 census, the numbers came out. 50 million known to be here and considered legal. 50 million. And the black American populace 36 million. We only advanced 4 million in, in over 40 years. We only advanced, we only advanced 4 million people to the, uh, to the numbers. That's, that, that is, that hurts. I mean, it really does. I mean, and, um, and that's 50 legally here. And 
somewhere in, in the in between. Uh, they keep talking eleven million, but that number is somewhere between twenty and thirty million. So I I just round it off and say another twenty million. So we talking seventy million, and we only it, we we're still under forty million. It is unacceptable that we go another day with these kind of numbers. The only way you're going to stop those numbers is you. We have to. We have to get people to understand the harm that they're doing, not by racist policemen, but by our own self because of our behavior. And that behavior, if the behavior changes, the numbers will change. But there is a very powerful incentive for us to keep those numbers, and that's the Democrat Party, because they are the party of genocide. And I, I and I want to, you know, they they they've been able to get their numbers of black people voting for them because they have been able to switch them them from being the party of the racist and put it over on the party of Lincoln, making him the racist, making the Republican Party the racist. So we have got to. Um, Identify it as it is. The Democrat Party is the party of genocide, black genocide, and uh, and I think that uh, once we do that, I think we can start having those numbers reflect uh, the the reality of what it is and what what has been going on. Democrats have done one thing since they've been here, since we as black people have been here, and that is. They, they, they've managed and they've done a very good job of it. And they've done it. They've made us the permanent underclass. And we are permanent victims and permanent consumers. We don't, we don't uh, have a tradition in this country of, of, uh, of being a significant force in the really the massive production. We have a history of being workers, and that is our class. We are the working class, and we are not allowed to get out of that because of the Democrat Party. Uh, people think that the Democrat Party is uh, looking out for their benefit. They're looking out for them, just like it is when this, the saying came out, the white man's ice is colder, the Democrat's ice is colder. That's, what's, that's what the average black American believes that the Democrats actually makes ice that's colder. And, and uh, in, in order to get that, that myth straightened out, it's got to be some truth being told. And, and then it's got to be some people that are willing to listen to the truth. That's my job. And I hope some of you out there will uh, decide to take a little bit of a uh, a time out of your schedule and do some research and start looking up this information that's right there on it. I mean, it's biased. I mean, uh, let's let's not let's not make any any uh, bones about it. It is biased, and if you don't believe it, just look at the history and the, and what the the Democrat control and I say Democrat control union uh, teachers and stuff like that are teaching our children. And and I'm I'm not so sure who's controlling what because because it's just been 
too long of a, a relationship between the, the unions, the education people, and the media itself. And, 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 and let's look at it. Um, they, they push this notion that anything that, uh, that white Republican, wow, somebody has to stop me here, folks. Um, I hear by that music, we are up against the break. I take, uh, taking a little time out, but, uh, I wanted to, to, to give you a reason for what we're doing. So stay tuned. Come right back after the messages, and we will continue with the program. Thank you. You're listening to the Abolitionists' Roundtable with your hosts, Phil Stargell and Bruce Fleury. They're exposing the left's underground resistance while leading the charge in the fight for liberty. Join the conversation at 734-822-1600. Hello, I am Milt, and this is Logically Speaking Uncensored. The Democrat Party, the original creators of white supremacy in America. The Democrat Party was founded in the 1830s to supposedly be the political voice of common people. But shortly after its formation, their adoption of institutional bondage transformed the party into a political pigmentation dictatorship where skin color became preeminent and rejection of non-white people was celebrated. Using skin color, not character, as a critical race theory factor in their doctrines, white supremacists created white nationalism and white privilege in order to create a systemically racially divided nation. Utilizing white supremacy as its bedrock, the Democrat Party made controlling non-white people culturally acceptable. And with self-endowed narcissism, they embraced slavery, segregation, and mistreatment of black Americans with a cult of atheistic-approved hatred. And they sanctioned lynchings, murders, rapes, and torture. And burning black Americans alive was not uncommon and seldom condemned. White-only eating facilities, housing, laboratories, and neighborhoods were foundational, and the burdens of Jim Crowism, voter suppression, intimidations, and brutalities were recorded unconstitutionally as lawful. Overwhelming historical evidence show the Democrat Party has never acknowledged or confess their crimes against humanity, and they purposely refuse to accept blame for their communist, fascistic racism. If we fast forward to today, the Democrat Party, the original creators of white supremacy in America, have reimagined reality to the point where they deliriously promote themselves as anointed saviors, ordained to rescue black Americans and eliminate racism. However, a fifth grade dropout student can obtain enough information to know the Democrat Party, radical procreated skin color elitism will, if not stop, destroy America. 
Without knowing the true demented history of the Democrats, one could easily believe that Democrat atrocities are fabrications. But don't accept my assertion. Do your own research, and hopefully you will uncover enough truth to set you free. I used to wonder how the Democrat Party has managed to escape retributions for their nefarious deeds. But today, my wonderment is why so many people who know the truth are unwilling to reveal it. My question to people hearing this commentary is, what are you doing to provide truth to people who can help us defeat the Democrat Party, the original creators of white supremacy in America? I am milk, logically speaking, uncensored, saying, think about it. All right. Thank you. Thanks Thanks so much for uh, that commentary. And it's right along the same lines as uh, what I've been talking about this morning. Uh, but first of all, let me get to uh, let me get to the lines here. I want to get this. Uh, I want to get clear. Uh we're going to go to Joe from Wyandotte. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, Phil. You're by yourself today. Well, between you and me and all the listeners, nobody tell Bruce. We all know, at <laughs> least now, Bruce is not there to hold you back today. Love <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you, Bruce. We know you're out there listening. I just had to tease you. But, Phil, you were talking about, you said, who knows about the Supreme Court? Well, frankly, I'm afraid we do know. The current crop of justices recently appointed and coming along now all have gone through the law schools that have been peddling or downplaying the Constitution and upplaying case law precedents like Roe v. Wade over the 14th Amendment. Or like you said, civil rights over the 12th, 13th, 14th, and, you know, the very notion of equal justice. And everybody who knows me knows I wrote a piece opposing Kavanaugh's appointment that wouldn't have hurt my feelings none had he gone down in flames. And Amy Coney Barrett, who I was so high on, has shown she's a disappointment. Gorsuch and of course, don't get me started on Roberts as as a disappointment these days, hey? Hello? Phil, are you there? Hello? Hello, Hello? Phil. Sorry about that, Joe. What what happened? Yeah, I'm not sure what happened there, Joe. Sorry about that. Yeah, I guess Phil had a little technical problem right now. We're, We're not able to hear him. For right oh, now, so you and I are on the air right now. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'll just well, if you have anything else to add, Joe, well, you can go ahead and and, and say anything else you'd like to. Okay. Well, thank you. Uh, I will add. It's kind of off topic, but uh, look forward to seeing Phil today. For people who don't know, uh, Phil will be joining Pastor Rick at God's Family Room for our Wayne 12 Pro-Life event today uh, to raise funds and items for single mothers this day before Mother's Day for the Lincoln Park Crisis Pregnancy Center. And people can get more info by going to whamradio.com, the community bulletin board, and look up that info and come out and meet your hero, Phil Stargell. 
in person because they'll be broadcasting live him and Pastor Rick between two and three this afternoon from God's family room. And uh, with that, uh, I, I guess maybe you can have a moment on sports now. I love you all. Take care. God bless. All right, Joe. Well, thank you very much for the call. And let's see if we can reconnect with Phil Stargell. Phil, are you there? Okay, so we're still having some technical problems right now with Phil Stargell. So why don't we go ahead and let's see if we can take a little break here right now in the action. You're listening to the Abolitionist Roundtable on Wham Talk, 1692.7 FM in the Chelsea, Michigan area. The phone number, if you'd like to join in the conversation, is 734 732-1600, and we'll see if we can get reconnected with Phil Stargell after these few messages. You're listening to the Abolitionists' Roundtable with your hosts, Phil Stargell and Bruce Fleury. They're exposing the left's underground resistance while leading the charge in the fight for liberty. Join the conversation at 734-822-1600. Believe it or not, being nice for the sake of being nice is not always the best policy, nor does being nice necessarily mean the best motives. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, since moving to Michigan, I have met a lot of nice, smiling people. Even Governor Witchmer projects a gleaming smile every time she announces another brutal proclamation of oppression, such as forcing children as young as two years of age to wear a dreaded face diaper. Many people, like my next-door neighbors, have pleasant smiles and seem to be such nice, wonderful folks, but yet they are devout supporters of Black Lives Matter, a communist organization founded by black females who hate both white Americans and black men. Nice people supported the Nazis and looked the other way when things became vicious toward their Jewish neighbors and focused on happier things than politics. Many nice Christians have for decades who used Jesus as an excuse not to care about the political and moral decline of our nation. There are nice people who don't care that President Trump was officially banned for life from Facebook, the leftist-dominated social media outlet. You know who were not nice people? Those who resist tyranny. I'm Ron Edwards. Check out the... RonEdwards.com. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. All right, well, let's take another shot and see if we can rejoin Phil Stargell. Phil, are you there? Well, we're still having some technical problems with Phil Stargell, the host of the Abolitionist Roundtable. So let's go ahead and put Milt Harris online. And for those of you who don't know, Milt Harris, he is the narrator of Logically Speaking that you heard about 10 minutes ago right here on this very program. So, Milt, go ahead and take it away. Okay, Derek, thank you so much. I'm sorry that the seal's not on there, but I'll try to fill it in if, if I can. I would just like to say uh, to your audience, uh, Derek, that uh, we win or lose by the language and the words we use. And when we don't control the language, then we lose. And then if, the, uh, if anybody can get the children and the language of communication, they win. Uh, just here, I think it was Thursday, China Joe Biden uh, was supposed to give a speech on the National Day of Prayer, and he never mentioned God. He never mentioned anything about the deity of Christianity, 
and the Judeo uh, principles that we look, that this country was founded on. And you have to ask yourself why. Well, if you notice, back in 2012, I think it was, the Democrats tried to take God out of their platform. And so this, this attack against God has been ongoing ever since the Democrats has been in existence, if you ask me. It's just coming to the surface now where they can highlight it uh, to people that they are secularists. And I say that uh, when we lose the language, Derek, we lose our country. We lose our ability to, to win because, see, you cannot compromise with evil. There's no compromise. You cannot negotiate because if you do, then they're no longer evil. When you look at the words that they use, like assault weapons or assault rifles, to anybody listening, I would give you as much money as I can afford if you can show me an inanimate object that can assault anybody. You have people who can assault people with certain uh, devices, but the assault weapon, you can assault somebody with your fist, your hands, your feet, a hammer, a car. So, Derek, I want to tell people, and I don't want to take up all your time, but I want to tell people that, look, this is a great country. We must fight for it. And ask yourself this, Phil talked about civil rights, but if there was nobody that was violating the Constitution, like the Democrats, we wouldn't have needed no civil rights. So civil rights is just a nullification of the Constitution. So, Derek, I'm going to try to get off the line. I know time is going, but I appreciate you letting me in today so I can get this word to the people and let them know that we've got to fight for this country. If we don't fight for it, we're going to lose it. So thanks again, Derek, and I'll call you maybe next week when Phil is back on. All right, Milt. Well, thank you very much for your call and for giving us your great insight, as always. Thank you so much, Derek. All right. Thank you much. Take care. All right. Bye. If you'd like to join in the conversation, there's about five minutes remaining in today's edition of the Abolitionist Roundtable on Wham Talk 1600 and 92.7 FM in the Chelsea, Michigan area. And for those of you who wish to listen online, that website is whamradio.com. And that's Wham, as in the initials of Wacky, Ann Arbor, Michigan, and then radio.com. The phone number to join in the conversation is 734 732-1600, and I am. my name is Derek Stone. I am the producer for the Abolitionist Roundtable, and I'm going to try to reconnect with the host of the Abolitionist Roundtable, Phil Starchell, to see if he is able to rejoin us here. Phil, are you there? All right, well, we're still having some technical difficulties with the host of the Abolitionist Roundtable. I'm not sure what's going on right now, but hopefully he will join us here before the program ends in about five minutes. And and ec- some excellent points there by Milt Harris saying that, yes, the current president, Joe Biden, not acknowledging the Judeo-Christian values that the United States of America is known for since is its existence back in 1776 when this great country was formed. And that's... Unfortunately, that's kind of been the downfall of the U.S. in recent years, not being, not having that great religious background for the majority of the, of the citizens of this great nation. That's why the progressives, in a way, have been contributing to the downfall of this great country. And I've got a phone call coming in, so I'm going to see who this is on the phone line. Thank you very much for joining the Abolitionist Roundtable. Hello, you're on the on the air. Hello. 
Yes, you're on the Abolitionist Roundtable. Hello. 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 Uh, can you hear me? Yeah. Yep, you're on the air. Oh, my. Do you have a comment you'd like to mention? Hello. 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 Uh, can you hear me? Yes. Yes, yes. go ahead. Oh, hi. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I'm Don from Riverview, and I, I really agree with a guy talking about the language because I've been fighting that for years, and, and guys, they, they tell me I, I won't say uh, African-American because they're Americans of African descent. Like, I'm an American of German descent. I, I, don't, I just wonder how they felt about my view on, on saying stuff like that. I, I think it's just another left-wing way to separate people. I, I'm not a German-American. I'm an American. I don't worry about color. I treat people as individuals and I, because I've been asked, what do you think of black people? I don't know every black people. I, some I like, some I don't. I mean, like white people. I don't understand. Does that make any sense to you? Or right, yeah. yeah. Being a, being a, gr- a resident of the U.S., yeah, you want to be known as an American. Yes, there are many different ethnical backgrounds in the U.S. Obviously, our ancestors came from all over the world and emigrated here to the United States. But yes, my my ancestry is German, but I don't consider myself a German American. I consider myself an American. And, and and that and that's, that's definitely that's what, what ever all the legal citizens here in the United in States the should consider themselves as Americans and not German Americans, Italian Americans, African Americans, and so forth. And and yes, I, I certainly get what what you're saying. Well, I, I I really appreciate that. I, I know I've argued with guys at work before. They say white people shouldn't be allowed to adopt black kids because they don't know how to teach them our culture. I go, their culture is American. Kids only need two things. You need your love and your time. And this other, this silliness of separating us, I, I don't understand any of that, what they're wanting to do now. I, someone could explain it to me. I don't get it. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and yeah, the pa- the parents of ki- of children here in America, they, they they've been lacking somewhat. I'm not sure what's going on with that echo that's going on, but uh, but yeah, that they they haven't taught their kids enough, and and just basically using the public school system in this country as a babysitter in a way, and not and not following up with their kids as to what they're learning about the true history of our great nation. And that's been a problem as to the downfall as far as the progressives taking over the public school system here in the great in the great country of the United States. So I'd like to thank you very much, Don, for your phone call today. And that's going to wrap up today's edition of the Abolitionist Roundtable because the end of the music bumper has started and i am derek stone the producer here of the abolitionist roundtable i'm wham talk 1692.7 fm in the chelsea michigan area you can also listen online for those of you who like to use the internet the website is whamradio.com that's wham as in the initials of wacky ann arbor michigan and then radio.com and phil stargell hopefully we can get his technical problems fixed here on skype for next week's program but thank you very much for joining us here on this edition of the abolitionist roundtable and we'll talk to you again next week
The Abolitionist Roundtable invites the Wham Talk 1600 listeners to continue the roundtable discussions by mailing correspondence to Art of Michigan, Post Office Box 135, Garden City, Michigan, 48135.